Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our weekly game preview episode as we're all set to break down this week's matchup against the 3-4 and four New York Jets. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm joined by my fellow Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Brothers, you know, we've lost two straight, and now with a beatable team in the Jets right in our crosshairs coming into Soldier Field this week, I'm curious to your thoughts. How crucial is this game for the course of the entire season, B? Well, I think, of course, the entire season, you're already putting in a breaking point, huh? Mm-hmm. Ultimatum. Uh, I don't know that it's that crucial the entire season. Uh, obviously, a win's going to do big favors as far as the rest of you goes, but I don't think a loss necessarily puts them in a bad position, even though I thought the AFC East, uh, going back to the schedule preview, I thought the only one they'd lose to uh, would be the Patriots. So in order to help at least steer that ship right, they, they need to win these next two against the AFC East. Yeah, what about you, Nick? Because I think if they lose this week, I'm starting to... We haven't whipped out the panic button yet this season. We haven't even mentioned it. This might be the first time that the pan, the words panic and button has came out on this podcast so far in 2018. But what about you? Are you getting a little weary if uh, this game goes the wrong direction? Absolutely. I think I had the Bears at least winning three of these games. was probably losing to the Patriots, but you get that loss to Miami. If you lose to the Jets, still got to remember, there's five games in the division the Bears still need to play. They also got to play the Rams still this season. So this is a time in the season where you can get some, you know, guaranteed wins against some rookie quarterbacks coming up with Darnold and then Josh Allen. So I think this is must win if the Bears want any hope of playing in the playoffs this season for the first time in a very long time since 2010. So I think this is a must win. It's definitely going to hurt them if they lose this game and then have to go against those division games, which you never know which direction they're going to go in. Sorry, I was rubbing my temple. You said since 2010, and then I remembered it's been eight years since we made the postseason, Sorry. which it's okay. I mean, it's a fact I know, but it's one of those that you kind of bury underneath the surface, kind of like hoping that it doesn't get brought up, and then it does, and then you get slightly depressed, but you <laughs> look forward. Me. Yeah, I know, right? 
<laughs> All right, guys, let's go ahead and just jump right into this week's game preview. And let's begin with the Bears offense that's averaging 34.5 points per game since the bye week. And what's perhaps the most impressive part of that gaudy like points per game number is just that we know how much has been left on the table. The potential is surely there for this offense. And no, I'm not going to complain about 34 points per game, but we just know there's so much more that this Bears offense can do. In fact, if you kind of think about that, you know, amount of points would have been enough to win these last two games. But alas, you know, we'll talk about the defense later on in the show. But let's go ahead and just start today's conversation with the Bears running game as it's still having a difficult time being established. We're currently sitting sixth in the NFL, though, with 130 rushing yards per game. But, and there's a big but here, Trubisky has accounted for 31% of the team's rushing yards. And since the bye week, Trubisky has been the team's leading rusher, and he's accounted for 43% of the entire team's rushing total. And just a fun fact here, too, if you take Trubisky out of the equation, and maybe fun fact is a terrible term here, but you take (laughs) Trubisky out of the equation, the Bears drop from 6th in the NFL down to 27th with just their running back so far. So I know we're almost halfway through the season, but still, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen combined, they have less than 500 rushing yards. Now, looking at the Jets, on average, they have, well, an average run defense right in the middle of the league with 105 yards given up on the ground per game. So this has been a long-winded kind of introduction here for a very simple question. And Brandon, I'm going to go to you first. What do you expect from the Bears rushing attack and this week and why? I really don't expect much because Nagy, I don't know if he doesn't trust it or what exactly his issue is with the run game. Uh, but I just go back to last week when you look at uh, Trubisky, uh, doing an RPO, rolling out, passing it to Bradley Sal in the end zone. The next play, it's a, a punch in that Jordan Howard has from two yards out. That's a play that should have been ran three plays prior to the Sowell. Uh, I mean, they're not at that same position in the game uh, three plays prior. But my my point is that's one that Nagy needs to look at and go, I'm just going to give it to our big, big running back, Jordan Howard, on the team and just punch it in there because there's no need to get cute with it. Uh, I think that he has to look at those situations and go, I have to trust Jordan Howard here. And I think until that happens, I mean, I just don't know that the running game is ever going to have much success because he'd rather just pass the ball. What about you, Nick? Do you anticipate it kind of getting off? Well, I was going to say getting off the ground, but we want it to remain on the ground a little bit. Uh, What's your expectations this week? I don't have high expectations, but a way that the Bears can kind of get this running game going is by utilizing that RPO. I saw in the game against the Vikings last week with the Jets, those Jets defenders kind of got mixed around and were out of place when there was play action. They kind of flowed to where the fake was going. Well, with the RPO, that's what it's all about, carrying out these fakes and then at the last second changing the play, giving it to the specific player based off of how the defense is playing it. So this is where you want to incorporate both backs, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. Have one, have Jordan Howard go one way, Tariq Cohen go the other way. Even if it's on end around, whatever it may be, the Bears just need to get their running game going. Jordan Howard has been inconsistent with his snap counts. Ever since that Tampa Bay game, his snap counts have fluctuated from 51% to 56% being in this game against New England. So the most in the last two weeks, we just need to see more of him. He hasn't gotten that opportunity to gain this chemistry to be – just given the ball and then progress as the game has gone on. We've talked about that all season. It hasn't happened. I think well, Matt Nagy's well, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just having a follow-up here about this. Now, looking at the Bears offense, you know, scoring over 34 points per game since the bye week in the top five in the NFL in terms of time of possession, 
how important is the run game in this offense? Surely it's important for every NFL offense, but they've been, you know, using their own extension in the running game with quick passes, quick screens, um, et cetera. How important is it to Matt Nagy, do you think? Well, here's the thing. If you want to be one-dimensional, I don't think that ever helps you. And I know you made a good point with extending the the run game with these screens, these short passes, getting the ball most likely to Tariq to, to Cohen and Taylor Gabriel. That is, I guess, an extension of the run game. But come down later in the year when you want to take teams uh, like the Vikings who have a good offense, the Rams with a good offense, you're going to want to be doing that by rushing the football and being effective with it, just sustaining these longer drives. Because the Bears, there have been times where they're scoring really quick, and good. that's great. We want to see points, but at times you just want to keep that opposing offense off the field. And Jordan Howard's the perfect back to do that. I know he had that fumble in the Miami game, but he's a guy that you can usually count on to just be careful with the football. So I think it is vital moving forward. The Bears have had success, but they can be an even better offense if they can actually get their running game being somewhat consistent. I want to add the next point here, too. It comes really important uh, situationally late in the game. If they don't have their run established and they have to run a four-minute offense and they're up by three points and they score really fast, uh, then that, that opens up the door for the other offense to come down and score points, and, and it doesn't change the the margin of victory in the game. Uh, whether you win by three, you win by seven. Uh, if they can't control the ball in the last four minutes in a uh, less-than-a-touchdown game, we'll say, uh, if they can't hold on to the ball for those last four minutes, then, yeah, that's going to be a problem. I mean, Obviously, like Nick said, points are good, but that just opens the door for their team to potentially do something else as well. Yeah, it's still a head-scratcher, though, because you look at the offensive line, it's been intact now for a couple of years. I know you lost to Josh Sitton, um, but Eric Cush and also James Daniels, they've been playing fine in that position as well. But regardless, you look at the other four starters who've been here for a few years now together cohesively, there shouldn't be as much issue as there is in terms of generating some push, generating running lanes. I understand things are a little bit different now with a new system, a new offensive line coach, et cetera, but the talent's there. The talent's there from Jordan Howard all the way up to the guys up front. And Nick, you mentioned Minnesota. You mentioned the Rams as teams who have good offenses. Well, they have pretty darn good defenses too. And if you want to beat them, you can't be one-dimensional because when you do that, they pin their ears back. They find ways to beat you, stop what you're able to do. And if you don't have a counter move, then you're in trouble. So, But I think we're all in agreement that we don't expect a lot from the Bears rushing attack here against the Jets because they haven't given us any reason to really trust that they're going to establish it and actually kind of lean towards it um, in this one, which maybe now is the time to do so because I doubt the Jets are, you know, really worrying about that. But we'll find out come Sunday. All right, taking a look at the Bears passing attack, they've been, well, productive. Chicago's 649 passing yards since the bye week is fifth most in the NFL. Now, starting with Trubisky. He's thrown five touchdowns over the last two games, but he's also had three interceptions, and he's only completing 59% of his passes since the bye. And now, of course, there's been some issues, but overall, you still have to be pleased with Trubisky and his production, especially within his offense since the Cardinals game. And Nick, I know you weren't able to make last week's postgame, so I'm curious of your assessment of Mitch and what you want to see kind of cleaned up from uh, this week against the Jets uh, that we saw last week. So like, what do you want to see from uh, last week's loss to the Patriots to, of course, against the Jets? Well, there was a lot of passes that Mitch Trubisky missed and a lot of deep passes. There were, there should have been more points on the scoreboard for the Bears at the end of that game. 31 is a lot, but there definitely should have been more because, again, Mitch Trubisky has been inconsistent all season. The Bears have really – they've had a lot of deep passes thrown. Out of their 211 attempts, 37 have been deep passes, which is second in the NFL for quarterbacks only behind uh, – the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, another rookie. I mean, these young quarterbacks are throwing it deep, which is 
um, I guess a little strange for me because Mitch Trubisky um, is a guy, yes, we want to see progress. And I think Matt Nagy's throwing all these deep passes to him just so he can get uh, his foot in the door for these kind of passes, just to get used to it. But he, he did miss a lot of passes, but he did great things with his legs. And did you guys happen to see that Bill Belichick video? Uh, I think it was, I forgot what show it was on, but he literally said to his defense, we're not worried about Mitch Trubisky passing. We'll let him beat him with his legs. That's what he's going to do. So I think teams are maybe undervaluing Mitch Trubisky and what he's able to th- do through the air. I know we had he had that six-touchdown game against Tampa Bay, but he has been inconsistent because, again, those deep passes are not being completed. So I want to see him be more consistent with that, and that starts with his footwork and just poison the pocket. And I think playing the Jets' defense, they bring a lot of pressure, especially with Jamal Adams off the edge. So Mitch Trubisky needs to be cognizant of that. And this is a defense as well that has 10 interceptions coming into this game. So he needs to be accurate with his throws, make the right decisions. And just when the opportunity presents itself, because Matt Nagy has been doing a great job scheming people open, Mitch Trubisky has got to be able to hit it because these guys are running open and it's going to continue to be like that all season. But I want to see Mitch Trubisky just become more consistent on his downfield passing. Yeah, I, the two games prior to the Patriots, so Miami, Tampa Bay, his deep ball, you know, he missed a couple, but especially late in Miami and throughout the entire game against Tampa Bay, I mean, he was hitting those throws. And then last week against the Patriots, uh, they brought some pressure. And with the pressure in his face, the accuracy kind of dips, um, not even just with the deep passes, but just, you know, every you know instance of the short game, the intermediate, as well as the deep passes. So for me, looking at Trubisky, it's all going back to, you know, being calm under pressure, not rushing your throws, still stepping up in the pocket because a few of the throws that he missed against the Patriots were with pressure in his face and just kind of quickly getting rid of the ball flat-footed when he still had some room to step up. So for me, uh, regardless of pressure in his face, you know, he's been great with a clean pocket, which is very encouraging. Um, but for him to take some next steps, he needs to find a way to be more productive with you know, some pressure in the pocket. Uh, Brandon, I want to know what are your keys to success for Trubisky? Uh, the Jets defense, they do give up the 21st most passing yards per game at about 266. Yeah, and I, I honestly think that Trubisky's got a real advantage here because cornerbacks Marcus Claiborne and Tremaine Johnson have yet to practice this week. Uh, and even if the Bears go without Allen Robinson, I think that there's still more weapons that the Bears have than the Jets have in their secondary right now because they're just really banged up. So I think this is a matchup that Trubisky can uh, take advantage of, especially if his receivers run good, clean, solid routes and they're able to get themselves open or run solid routes to be able to tr- allow Trubisky to throw them open. Uh, so I think they're, the banged-up Jets secondary is really going to help the Bears' uh, receivers in this one because there's going to be you know some inexperience uh, out there, not guys that are used to playing as many snaps as they'll get in this game with Claiborne and Tremaine Johnson being out. So I think that plays a very uh, underrated value as far as what Trubisky is going to do through the air in this one. Sure, and again with the Jets, it doesn't matter what position you're talking about, injuries are playing a role for this entire team, yes. which is... You know, something that we can really sympathize here with Chicago, something we've had for years prior to this, you know, a few leading up to this. So I understand just what kind of frustrations that can lead to an entire team. And of course, how much it can really hinder any team's you know potential on Sunday. And I think the Jets are going to be a perfect example this week. Um, but just taking a look at some of the matchups through the air, Tariq Cohen, he's continuing to be a very heavily targeted player. He has led the team uh, week after week lately with targets, and he led the team last week with 12. And, of course, we also saw that big-time game from Trey Burton. He's coming off his first 100-yard game of his entire career. But still, um, the wealth, when you look at it, it has been spread around this offense rather evenly, which, of course, has been beneficial for this unit's success. But let's just start with the wide receivers here. The Jets have allowed two touchdowns to receivers in each of their last four games. 
Last week's the Bears were wideouts. When you're looking at Robinson, Gabriel, and Miller, um, the main ones they had a hard time really breaking out. Combined, those three receivers only had 65 total yards on 16 targets. But last week against the Vikings, um, the Jets they did allow 10 passes for first. Down. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Temper Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. ...for the entire game, um, which maybe it sounds like a lot, but it's not because it's less than league average, which is around 13 um, so I think it's fair to say that even though that Jets secondary has some issues, has some injuries it's dealing with, um, and it should be more favorable in terms of a matchup that we've seen from Miami and New England, uh, there's still a secondary that should be, you know, be mindful of. Don't take for granted. And of course, uh, like Nick mentioned, those 10 interceptions. But I want to know, how did the Bears wide receivers get more involved this week, especially compared to what we saw against New England? And let's go to Nick first. You know, again, going back to this Vikings game, it was actually a really close matchup. Uh, it was 10 to 7 heading into the third quarter. So that defense for the Jets did its job for the most part for, you know, a good portion of that game. But where the Vikings were able to open it up, it was just, again, using this play action to get these cornerbacks looking one way and then Kirk Cousins taking advantage of that and just throwing really accurate passes. That was a big difference in this game because number 27 for the Jets, Daryl Roberts, was playing pretty well. He gave up a touchdown early on to Adam Thielen in that first quarter. But for the most part, these guys were connected to the Vikings wide receivers by the hip. So this is going to be about these wide receivers really creating that that separation, running, like Brandon said, these precise routes and giving Mitch Trubisky, you know, the opportunity to make these. They have to be perfect throws. That's what it's going to be, even though they are injured. And we've seen the Bears take advantage of injured secondaries. Go look at Tampa Bay. Uh, he still needs to be able to make this accurate throw. And that all starts with the wide receivers just getting in the right position, keeping it to where it is the ball, the receiver, then the defender, not the other way around. So, again, Mitch Trubisky is going to have to throw accurate passes, but these receivers need to be precise in their routes. And I think Taylor Gabriel – is going to have a bounce back, is a guy to have that bounce back game. And with these play action passes, he's one to get, you know, be able to get past and burn the secondary. And Dale Roberts is a guy that is going to be that matchup. Dale Roberts and Taylor Gabriel. Yeah. And Taylor Gabriel mentioned that New England gave him a lot of attention, having a lot of safety, you know, help over the top, which really kind of hindered what he was able to do within his offense. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Jets want to do the same thing. And how does Matt Nagy kind of find a way to combat that uh, just a little bit? Because, uh, Taylor Gabriel, the two weeks prior against the Dolphins, against the Bucks, really started making a name for himself around the league and garnered a lot of attention, which is a big reason why the Patriots found a way to take him out of the game. But you no, know, Nick already kind of alluded to a matchup. Brandon, are there any specific matchups that you feel confident in? Uh, that I feel confident in? Uh, I would say Trey Burton again. I'll take Nick's answer, a uh, coded <laughs> answer here. I think that, that Trey Burton can, can have a game, especially if uh, guys like Darren Lee, uh, he's yet to practice this week. Notice that it's just an illness thing, but if they can really take advantage of the down linebackers uh, in this one, I think that you know that would have to force Jamal Adams to come down and play Trey Burton, which is going to you know leave no safety help uh, for guys like uh, Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen over the top. I think a lot of this game, as far as receivers go and route running, has really come down to Matt Nagy's play calling because we know how he likes to build plays on plays on plays. 
Uh, I would assume that's still going to go hand in hand with routes on routes on routes. And we know, or we've talked already that we're not hundred percent sure that he's going to establish the run in this one. So I'm not sure how much we're going to see those, uh, those play fakes be effective in this game, because if they can't establish the run, then the corners are just going to stick to their guys. So it's got to be a lot of, of uh, repetitive play calling a certain way. And then at a certain point in the game, you can turn the routes around and the cornerbacks are going to be kind of lost. And then you're going to have Jamal Adams down there on the tight ends. Cause that's, I think the matchup that we can take advantage of with the poor uh, linebackers and coverage, especially with them being out. Yeah. That's a very, you know, keen point there in terms of if you set a tendency, especially in a game to find a way to go against the grain a little bit, because when you do that, um, it could lead to some open opportunities. So for me, I'm looking at anyone, and I mean anyone, uh, especially how the Bears like to line up here, um, who goes up against a uh, rookie six-round pick, uh, Perry Nickerson. He's been lining up primarily in the nickel. He's allowed uh, last week 66 yards, three first downs on seven targets, and he also has the lowest snaps per reception um, in the entire league. He's giving up a reception on every 5.4 snaps he's played, and also he gives up the fourth highest pass rating in the entire NFL when targeted at 126 Point three. I know he's playing in terms of, uh, you know, he's backing up someone who is now injured. Um, but the guy who is the original starter's name is what? Buster Scrine. He's in there mm-hmm. with a concussion. Um, he's been practicing a little bit on a limited basis. I'm not sure exactly where he stands in concussion protocol. But say even if he gives it a go, go after him. He's a little bit rusty, and he's not much better. He's averaging um, a reception on every about six snaps played and a passer rating of 118.2 when targeted. So I suppose... Whoever the heck lines up at the slot corner, uh, just test them. Test them deep. And test this entire Jets defense deep as well because they have given up 25 passes of 20-plus. And even though, like we said, Trubisky, he did struggle with the deep ball last week against New England, um, he was, and I'm going to quote myself here in my notes, he was fire the two games prior. So don't quit (laughs) being aggressive. Uh, Lastly, in terms of the wide receivers, and Nick, if you have another matchup here, you can cut me off. Do you have another one real quick? I don't. That was my one that I'm focusing on, Taylor Gabriel. All right, so real quickly, let's go back to Nick. Uh, where are you in the Kevin White needs more playing time conversation? Oh, we just I talked would, about this last night. We did talk about this last night, Brandon, but especially if Allen Robinson's not able to go, you got to give Kevin White some, some kind of reps. Give him more playing time. He's made a few blocks this season, had two catches last week against New England. Why not? He's, he's a former first-round pick. See what he's got left. And if Allen Robinson isn't healthy and if he's going to – make this injury worse put him out there activate Javon Wims as well so bring two other receivers into the mix because Kevin White you might as well see what he's got because most likely he's not going to be here after this season but I would like to see more Kevin White I don't know if that's necessarily the best option right now but if Allen Robinson's not healthy when he didn't look healthy against the Patriots you you have to do it I think well fun fact I'm 100% 100% sure. I was going to say 99, but I'm 100% sure that he's never been healthy at this point of a season throughout his entirety of the NFL career. So even if they're just keeping him in like, you know, a little bit in the back burner just to keep him healthy, it's worked. I mean, he's here. Um, we're almost in November, and I don't think Kevin White has played November football since his days at West Virginia. So that's at least a positive. And like you said, he came up, he had a really nice contested catch. And then, of course, the Hail Mary as well. So he's someone who, like you said, if an Allen Robinson's not able to give it a go, Bring him out there, not just because he needs the opportunity or he deserves an opportunity, but more of schematically, you want another big-bodied receiver out there because if you just have Miller and Cohen and 
Well, Bellamy. We, no, it's a we, better I didn't even want to say Bellamy. that name. I didn't even it's want a to better say option. that. That's the thing. That's why we should play Kevin White. It's just a better option than playing Joshua Bellamy. We need to stop. Brandon, we talked about this last night. Why are there so many deep balls going to Joshua Bellamy? Well, it's because he's right. out there. Kevin White needs to be the guy out there in that in that spot. So we don't see that anymore. All right. So go ahead. If if Allen Robinson can like still kind of give it a go, but even against the bank do you guys think that it'd still be okay to play Kevin White and sit down rounds for this game just for his longevity of the year? Mm-hmm. It's the kind of we'll talk about Khalil Mack in a little bit, but we're at that point where if you're playing guys out there and they're not being effective, there's really no reason to have them out there at all. Right. Um, which I may have already tipped my hat hand a little <laughs> bit with what I want to mention later on in this show. But uh Brandon, simple question. Where are games won and lost? The trenches. Yeah, so let's go ahead and look at the Bears <laughs> offensive line here. Um, it was a rough outing for this unit uh, last week, especially in pass protection, because as a group, they allowed 16 pressures throughout the entire game, which, of course, had an effect on the timing and rhythm of this Bears offense. And the Jets, they haven't had one of the most disruptive pass rushes this season, but still, they're a unit that you can't really discredit and overlook, especially uh, defensive ends like Leonard Williams and Henry Anderson. They have a combined 41 pressures and five sacks between the two. Um, I want to know, and Brandon, of course, you're up here first, Mr. Trenches. What are those battles that you think will be the most crucial for the Bears' offensive line this week? I just want to point out that uh, Leonard Williams, is he's practiced at full uh, throughout the entirety of the week, so I totally expect him to come back. So that's going to be a matchup that I watch, especially those ends, because you brought up Henry Anderson as well. Uh, those are two matchups that I'm I'm watching, because, I mean, you already said the stat that I had in my in my notes here, so <laughs> I really wasn't sure where to go with it, but... Uh, Regardless, I mean, this the, the Jets' defensive line is really a community effort because after Leonard Williams has the three sacks, there's four other guys that have two or two-and-a-half sacks uh, on the on the defense. So it's not just Leonard Williams and Henry Anderson, although those are two guys that I'm going to highlight uh, because I think those are the, the big matchups in this one that we have to watch with the tackles. And a lot of it, too, like I like the Bears' offensive line this year. I uh, haven't heard too much about them having so many blunders uh, where they give up so many sacks in a game. I think a lot of the sacks kind of come uh, on Trubisky's back, to be honest, where he's trying to make a play or stepping up in the pocket. I think they give him a lot of time. And we've seen uh, Trubisky's ability to get out of pressure. He spins out of it frequently, and sometimes it scares me a little bit because he's so loose with the ball when he makes that spin move because then it's right in the, the way of the defender. That makes me nervous. Uh, but for the most part, we know that Trubisky can get away from it, and really he's the only one, I think, that you can put a lot of blame on for these sacks. He just steps up in the pocket, gets hands in his pants, whatever. Uh, he's really the one that I think causes most of the sacks, not necessarily the offensive line. So I think this is one that uh, the offensive line will have no issue with, but at the same time you've got to watch the guys on the end because they, they're going to uh, do some they, – you know, they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. You said 41 total pressures between the two. I expect that trend to continue. Yeah, ants in his pants. All right, Brandon, we're going to move on. Uh, for me, I'm looking at Edge uh, Brandon Copeland here. Uh, he primarily lines up across left tackles, and looking at his stats, his pressures, he has steadily improved each and every game. And last week we had a season high um, – oh, he had, in terms of Copeland, had a season high four pressures, and he did notch a sack. And last week, Charles Leno Jr., he gave up his first two sacks of the entire season against New England, and we're going to need a bounce-back game from Leno, who, of course, he struggled last week, and looking at those two sacks given up uh, was primarily with speed. So looking at Charles Leno Jr., um, not really putting him down because he's had a phenomenal year to date, but it was a very... Uh, it was a step back in terms of his progression, and I want to see him kind of bounce back in terms of what we saw last week. What about you, Nick? Anything else in terms of the battles up front that you're still paying attention to? 
Yeah, so there's two, and Brandon Copeland was one of those, especially against the Vikings. He made some pretty good plays, was able to get past that left tackle, and almost had a safety in that game, but Kirk Cousins was tackled at the one um, last week. But another guy, and it was someone that I was looking for in the draft, and he's a rookie, Nathan Shepard, number 97. He plays usually in the interior nose tackle, but he's shown some flashes, especially last week. And he's been playing a little bit more uh, just because of his productive play. So that's a, a guy that you don't want to let off on. Again, the Bears' strength in this offensive line is the interior. But Nathan Shepard's been making some plays. And so that's another guy that you want to be cognizant of. Make sure you get him blocked and don't allow him to be an additional guy that's going to disrupt Mitch Trubisky's day. But Brandon Copeland and Nathan Shepard are the two guys that I'm going to be watching for on that defense. Great. Good stuff. And, of course, two important aspects of any, you know, Offensive successes here are third downs and red zone efficiency. And for the Bears, they actually have the third best uh, in terms of, yeah. The, oh, actually, sorry. Let me rephrase this. They actually have the best third down offense in the NFL uh, when looking at every team's last three games combined. The Bears are converting on a whopping 55.56% of their third downs, which to say that the Bears are leading the NFL on third down percentage is a great thing to finally be able to say here. It's a uh, Years and years of being on the very bottom of the league. So to be on the exact opposite feels great. But on the flip side, the Jets, they are the third best defense on third down over the same exact span, um, only allowing teams to convert on 26.83% of their third downs. Then in the red zone, I'm going to stick with the last three games here to be consistent, uh, primarily because, yet again, the Bears are the best in the NFL in the red zone, uh, scoring touchdowns on 83% of those red zone trips. But the Jets, they're the fifth best defense in this regard, giving up touchdowns and only 33% of red zone trips allowed. So it's interesting. It's almost strength versus strength here because the Bears' offense has been great in the red zone, been very effective on third down. But this is where the Jets' defense has also thrived in the very same, same exact category. So two huge tests for the offense. And Nick, I'll go, I'm going to go to you here. How did the Bears continue to be successful both on third down and in the red zone? You know, I'm just going to add one more stat before I answer that question, Will. The Jets are also the fifth-best team according to passer rating for opposing quarterbacks. So 84.5 is a passer rating, which is fifth-best in the NFL. So, again, that also alludes to why they're good on third down and good as a general defense, especially in the red zone. But I think what we've seen from Matt Nagy, um, in this squad right now, we've seen some creativity when it came to the, the red zone. And there's a lot of pick plays that have worked this season. Go back to the Tampa Bay game. Uh, with Taylor Gabriel gets that pick play and Allen Robinson caused the pick. It's a touchdown. Trey Burton does the same thing. It ends up coming back. I like those kind of plays. Now it's just with that, when that came back, it should have just been a run to Jordan Howard because then they end up throwing an interception on that play. I think Matt Nagy, and we've said it all season just needs to simplify some of the things that happened down there because Jordan Howard could have had an easy touchdown run. Well, again, in that game, uh, he did end up fumbling on the two yard line. So maybe not easy. Wasn't the right <laughs> word there, but simplifying things, get guys going. And that's starting with the running game. I think utilizing the run more in the, in the red zone is going to diversify things up there because most of the time the bears have been passing. They have been passing. I think defenses know this. So if you're able to incorporate more run plays in the red zone, I think that's going to help out. All right, Brandon, anything else in your notes that you want to mention? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm ready to, to move on. What about you, Nick? No, I mean, this is a good Jets defense. Even though they're missing some players, Mitch Trubisky still has to make the throws. That's a big thing in this game. 
All right. And for me, real quick, I just want to add that uh, limiting turnovers, of course, I mean, it's crucial every week, but I think it's very important this week as well. Um, and the two games that the Jets have not had a takeaway this season, uh, they lost. Um, they had a lot of turnovers or, yeah, takeaways on defense. Um, but the two games that they haven't been able to notch one uh, against the Browns and, of course, last week against the Vikings, uh, they ended up on the wrong side of this uh, on, on scoreboard. So just kind of keep that in mind. But uh, it's time to find out who's going to be the X factor for the Bears offense. And let's go to Brandon first. Uh, X factor for. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. The Bears offense, I think it's going to be through Cohen. Uh, he's done, uh, like like you guys said earlier, he's done a lot of, he's gotten a lot of the bulk of the receiving end. And I think uh, if Allen Robinson doesn't play, uh, that's a guy that Trubisky's already made connections with as far as uh, longevity of chemistry because they played together last year had a really good uh, success rate this year. I think that's something that's going to have to continue. And uh, if they can outrun some of these guys, get to the edge and running game, or even in these screen passes, short passes, I think Trude Cohen's the guy you got to go to. So if he has a big game, the Bears offense has a big game. Great. What about you, Nick? I'll take the easy one. I'll go with Mitch Trubisky. There's been passes that he should have made this season. I, I want to clarify. I don't think he's playing bad by all means. I just think he can be playing better and there's going to be opportunities this game where he's going to hit some open receivers. There's going to be open receivers. He just needs to make the right throw. And a lot of his passes from what I've seen over the past couple of games, they've been high and that's just maybe not being comfortable, not being uh, able to, again, utilize his footwork to get it to where it needs to be. So Mitch Trubisky is going to be the X factor because if he makes a couple of these throws early on, then you can hopefully get that defense to then back you up and hopefully play back to its, you know, its ways for the first four weeks. So Mitch Trubisky being able to capitalize on opportunities because Matt Nagy is going to create them. He's going to be the X factor in this game against the Jets. Interesting. I have Trubisky as well. And a lot of the points that you made were kind of ones I wanted to hit on. So I'm not going to kind of, you know, double up on that. But the other one would be going back to my last point about limiting turnovers uh, for Trubisky, especially going up against a guy like a Jamal Adams, um, a secondary that even though they're banged up, they've been very opportunistic in terms of finding a way to pick off quarterbacks. Um, Trubisky's coming off a, you know, a game where he had, you know, a couple interceptions and he had a few that were even close to being picked off as well. So for him to kind of rein in those throws, making sure that if he does, you know, throw the football, it's only where his guy can get it not giving the Jets offense any more opportunities because, again, when the Jets offense, um, with all their struggles, if you give them short fields, uh, you're just not putting – of course, you're not putting your own defense in a good position, but you're putting an offense that is severely limited in a practical, easy scoring situation. That's not the kind of uh, momentum that you want to kind of give this game whatsoever. So for me, Trubisky, um, but I'll just add that my emphasis is going to be on limiting the turnovers. All right, guys, who has the edge? And first up will be Brandon. I'm going to give him the Bears pass protection versus that Jets pass rush. I've got the Bears offensive line in this one because, I mean, like I said earlier, Trubisky lately has been a big factor in the amount of sacks that he's had. I don't necessarily put a lot of them on the Bears offensive line. Uh, when, you know, when he starts stepping up in the pocket trying to make things happen, that's when I think we see a lot more of the sacks. And the Jets, they have 15 sacks in the year so far, and I really like what the, the Bears offensive line has done. I'm comfortable saying that the Bears offensive line is going to win this one. All right, Nick, over to you. The Bears' aerial attack versus the Jets' secondary. Ooh, 
Um, you know, I'll take the I'll take the Bears passing attack. I think Mitch Trubisky is able to make more of those throws than he did last week, and that's going to accumulate to this the overall Bears offense having a good day. All right, hey Brandon, you have that broom? Uh, still still have yet to get the broom. <laughs> still no broom. Okay, good because we don't need it. Uh, I have the Jets Uh-oh. having the edge here. I have the Bears ground game versus the Jets run defense, and I think mano y mano, one on one, talent versus talent. I think the Bears do have the edge here. But in terms of what we've already mentioned, not really sticking to the run, not establishing yet, not really giving Jordan Howard um, some touches to really kind of get into a groove. It's really hard to give the Bears ground game the edge here. And I'm going to do this with Trubisky out of the equation. You put him in, then maybe the Bears get the slight edge here. But um, like I said on Twitter a couple of days ago, even though he's accounting for over 40% of the Bears rushing yards since the bye, that's not sustainable. That's not a way to really... Uh, have a long-term success in the NFL, especially as a quarterback with all those extra, you know, the extra punishment that he's kind of getting when he's doing these runs. So for me, uh, easy one, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give the Jets run defense, which is still an average run defense. And the Bears do have the sixth best um, rushing attack technically in the league statistically. Um, but I still think the Jets run defense until the Bears prove they want to kind of stick to the ground uh, more than they've shown in the past. I'm going to have to give the edge tier to the Jets. All right, so we've reached the midway point of our show, and before we turn the tables and shift our discussion towards the Bears' defense, I just want to thank everyone who's taken the time to review our show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're now over 325 reviews, and I think the last time I saw was 327. And I just want to say on behalf of Nick, Brandon, and myself, we really do appreciate the time that you put in to leave a review. And if you haven't yet, uh, make sure to show your support of the podcast by leaving a review as well. We put in... You know, countless hours each and every week and the support that we receive from fellow Bears fans like you really makes it all worthwhile. So thank you again. But guys, getting back to business, it's time to take a hard look at the Bears defense that has really hasn't been the same since the bye week. It's really been a shame, especially with uh, the points the offense has been able to put up. But perhaps this is the week to get back on track as the Jets offense is performing at the bottom 10 um, in terms of converting on third downs, scoring touchdowns in the red zone, red zone and taking care of the ball. And let's go ahead and start with a very big picture topic question here. And it's going to be one of those patented simple questions that are often end in a complicated answer. Um, And Brandon, I'm going to go to you first. Have teams figured out how to beat this defense because they have surrendered 69 points in the two games since the bye week. I don't want to say necessarily that they've been exposed per se, uh, because I think a lot of it, uh, I said this earlier this week, and even in the postgame show last week, I think that uh, the way to beat a pass rush are these quick passes, screen passes, because it keeps them honest. Uh, it's going to wear guys out. Uh, and that's kind of, I think, what we're seeing here. They're just Teams are just going straight to that. Uh, we've seen Brock Osweiler uh, after the bye. He's only making one or two reads just about every time he dropped back. He wouldn't hardly even look for his third guy if he even had one. And when he was forced to drop back and throw the ball, he struggled. Now against Tom Brady, I'm going to kind of take that performance with a grain of salt. Uh, I mean, the pass rush still was not there, which is unfortunate. That's something that's absolutely got to change. Uh, but he he knew exactly what he had to do uh, throughout the duration of the game to be able to beat this defense. And he's one of the greatest to ever play the game. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to say that defense has been uh, exposed these last couple weeks because of those two reasons. I think that if if the Jets can continue uh, to do what the Dolphins did, Sam Darnold's only got to make one or two reads. And yeah, I think their offense is gonna gonna succeed in this one, uh, unfortunately. And until they can show to me that the defense can make a tackle, I think that we should, with respect, uh, give the Jets' offense a chance in this one. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We saw this against uh, the Packers. We saw it against the Dolphins. And, of course, last week as well, when you take the Bears pass rush out of the equation, either it being uh, they're just not hitting home, they're just not generating any sort of pressure, or you combat it with a quick passing game, it seems like the whole defense, I want to say falls apart, but it's pretty darn close to that measure as well. What about you, Nick? Do you Would you say the Bears defense has been, I wouldn't maybe say exposed, but maybe solved until Vic Fangio proves that he will make an adjustment? It's tough to say because when you think about that Miami Dolphins game, the Bears were in position. They just didn't finish the plays, right? The DBs didn't make the tackles. Linebackers didn't make the tackles. So it's not that the Dolphins out-scheme Vic Fangio. It's the players didn't execute by making the tackles. Maybe the Heat had something to do with it. So that game, like I said, I've said it on previous podcasts, it was like it was something that you wouldn't normally see out of a Bears defense, but yet the, the missed tackles have continued. And then take out the two special teams touchdowns from the Patriots. The the Patriots scored 24 points. And granted, maybe if Tom Brady gets those two other opportunities, it's more than that. So the pass rush, definitely not having the pass rush doesn't help this team because I think some holes now become a little bit bigger. Offense are able to find these open, um, especially in the middle of the field where these linebackers are asked when you're dropping back Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd into coverage. That's that's not a recipe for success. And I don't know what Vic Fangio is kind of thinking. Obviously, it goes to when you're getting the ball out quick, those guys are not going to get home and get to the quarterback. So I wouldn't say that offenses have necessarily figured it out. They've just been one. They haven't executed to the entirety of the, the full play. And when you're dropping back guys that are supposed to get the quarterback, it's not going to lead to success. So. We'll, we'll see what happens with this Jets offense. There's this a good opportunity because, like you said, Will, with all the statistics, they're not a very good offense yet, but there needs to be pass rush. That's what makes this Bears defense great. So I wouldn't say that offenses have figured out Vic Fangio's defense yet. They found some holes, just haven't figured out the entirety yet. Hopefully that doesn't happen too. Yeah, hopefully not. Uh, but speaking of this lack of a pass rush, uh, again, we have fi- we have seen at least uh, what this defense would look like without a Khalil Mack, um, especially last week in of course, the majority of the Dolphins game as well, because uh, he's still recovering with his ankle injury. That's obviously hindering his capabilities. Um, he didn't really rush the passer last week. Like you said, he was in coverage. There's a career high amount of snaps. I forget exactly. It might've been 18 was the number, but don't hold me uh, to that one, but it was, it was up there and it was his career high. Um, and I already kind of alluded to this. Would you sit him until he is healthy? Someone who can make a little bit more of a difference? Because I understand he hasn't missed a game yet in his career. He's a prideful man, and he doesn't. He wants to be out there. Um, but if he's not being able to make an impact in terms of you know being in a correct position, being able to make plays on the ball, get after quarterbacks, I feel like it might be hurting the team more than it is benefiting with his presence out there. I understand he does deserve attention, um, but I do think teams see now what happened against Miami. They saw how New England was able to kind of push him around, so why would they worry about him until he proves that he is healthy? Um, but let's go to Brandon here. Would you sit him, or if he's if Cleo Mack says, Coach, put me in, would you put him in? I would start him just so that way he can continue the record of he's played in the <laughs> game. But then after that, I mean, I don't – expect him to have a high like I don't want him to have a high snap count in this one I'd rather him you know with a struggling Jets offense like we see here uh Sam Darnold throws a lot of interceptions so I think the DVs can really have a big game even without much of a pass rush I think uh so I wouldn't say that it's necessary that he plays a lot in this one if he wants to suit up so he can keep his streak going go for it uh but I would really really put him on a pitch count in this one a low pitch count I want to see Aaron Lynch start uh becoming more of a pass rusher. He's in there on a limited amount of snaps anyway. Let's see what he can do. Let's get Leonard Floyd back to rushing the passer instead of dropping back in coverage. Uh, 
we know how well he plays in man coverage, not very well. So let's let's see him start running downhill. Let's try and get some of these other guys uh, that we brought in to be pass rushers prior to Khalil Mack. Let's try and get them going because, like you said, if, if he's not going to be out there uh, healthy, I think at this point he's he's hurting the team. What about you, Nick? I wouldn't play Khalil Mack if he's not healthy. If this injury can get worse if he plays in this game against the Jets, it's not worth it, especially because you're thinking longer than just this game against the Jets. It's this December football, hopefully January, that they're hopefully wanting to play in. And if you could take a week off and get that injury you know, healed and ready to play for the rest of the season, that's what you need to do. And this defense needs to prove they can win without Khalil Mack. They did it all last season. They were a good unit, top 10 unit without him. But when Khalil Mack took, got injured, it's just like the confidence in that unit, the ability to get to the pass rusher, the ability to stop opposing offense just didn't happen. It can't just be Khalil Mack every play because he's not going to make every single play, even though it looked like it through the first four weeks. He's not. He's he's a great player, but the Bears need to prove that they can get to opposing quarterbacks, be a dominant unit without him. And if that means sitting him for a week, I'm I'm all for it. Do you know who I miss right now? Sam Ajo. We mentioned that yesterday. Yes, we mentioned that last night. Wow. Look at me. It's, I should have been there. You should have. I mean, I think that's what we're going to have to do for the next audio mailbag. Just have all three of us. Apparently so. Apparently that's just going to have to be the thing. But all right. So without Mac, again, we've just kind of said it. The past rush, it's been non-existent since the bye week. And it's really no coincidence that, you know, Mac's injury, it's over the same exact time frame. Somebody needs to step up here because Sam Darnold, and it's to be expected with any rookie quarterback, he has struggled mightily under pressure this season. Third worst passer rating, 38.8. Uh, he has thrown four interceptions with pressure. And the Jets' offensive line, you know, brings the Bears a grand opportunity because, you know, they've struggled so far this season. And what I've been able to gather, uh, they get confused and beaten rather easily when defenses start throwing stunts in their faces. Uh, so looking at all the battles up front, who do we need to step up? And I hate to say it, but in many regards, the answer should be everybody. But if you're looking at specific players, who do you anticipate stepping up or who do you want to step up or who needs to, you know, the same question phrased three different ways, but they could bring three different answers. Uh, let's go to Nick first. So I like the matchup, and I think this is primarily going to be Eddie Goldman, but on their, their, it's their right guard, Winters. He's a guy that I saw in the Vikings game, give up a few pressures, was able to get bullied on uh, bull rush moves by uh, Shepard from the uh, – not Shepard, I'm sorry. From, I forget what the – the nose tackle for the Vikings name is, but he was able to get in there and cause some havoc for winters there. So I like that matchup and Eddie Goldman, he's been a little quiet and obviously this whole defense has been a little quiet. So I like that matchup, especially in the trenches. And again, no quarterback likes having pressure straight, straight up the middle. And with Darnold being a rookie and still going and figuring out these defenses, that's only one more thing to think about a 300 plus pound man coming down and possibly sacking you. So that's the matchup I'm looking for winners against Goldman or whoever they want to incorporate in there. We saw Bilal Nichols also play a lot and he's been playing well. So maybe that's another guy that you can incorporate into the defensive rotation. But winners is a guy that I'm looking for and whatever defensive lineman is going up against him. Well, good thing you have him because I'm talking about the the center here, Spencer Long, because he's been arguably uh, the most inconsistent and worst lineman that the Jets have had all season. Um, so same kind of players, though. I'm looking at Eddie Goldman um, and Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols because Nichols, he played last week over 50% of the snaps. I anticipate that being the new norm. Um, Eddie Goldman going toe-to-toe against the center should be a really fun battle to watch. Um, and then uh, I'm bringing up Akeem Hicks here, too, because like I mentioned a couple moments ago, that the Jets 
offensive line really struggles when teams kind of try to confuse them with some stunts. They're slow to react. They're slow to understand exactly what the defense is throwing at them. And when that happens, um, I've seen long specifically uh, just let a guy run right by him, not knowing that's his man to pick up. So if you can find a way to confuse this center, um, I think it's going to be you know, highly beneficial to what the Bears can do in terms of generating a pass rush. And the fact that it's interior pass rush, pass rush against a rookie quarterback, I believe that's going to just be you know a little bit of icing on the cake because it's really going to kind of speed up Darnold's clock, which he leads the league right now in interception. So that's exactly what the rest of the Bears want to follow. What about you, B? What are you looking at? Since you guys took the the inside, I just want to add, maybe we see some more double-A gap blitzes this week. That would be a lot of fun to see in those matchups. Uh, but I'm looking at the outside in this one because uh, Kelvin Beecham, their tackle, he has been limited. He was limited in practice today. didn't practice Wednesday. Like we talked about before we went live, it's really Friday that you're paying attention to. Uh, regardless, if he's in there banged up, especially with a bad back, uh, let's see the speed guys who's in there and be able to, to bend around. Uh, so that would be Leonard Floyd in this instance. Uh, get around him. Uh, bend, flex, do whatever you got to do. Use your speed to get around this guy. And I think that uh, it would be very important for Leonard Floyd to get established as a pass rusher in this game because he doesn't have a sack yet this year. So our team's going to respect him at this point if he doesn't get one this week. I really don't think so. I think they're going to look at him as more he's that zone coverage guy that the Bears have that will cover the flat and we just throw to the other side. Uh, so I think that that's uh, something that Leonard Floyd definitely is going to be looking at and hopefully he's looking at his chops going. I think I can beat this guy with a bad back this week. So uh, I've got my eyes on Leonard Floyd and his matchups this week. Right. And well, Spencer Long did act, he did not practice today. So maybe that's a guy the Bears don't even have to worry about. But again, Friday's the big, the big day for injuries, but he didn't practice today. It's hard to keep up with the Jets injury mm-hmm. report. It's almost yeah. like a Rubik's Cube. It's <laughs> It changes every day, the shuffling. It's It's been fun to kind of keep an eye on throughout the week, but I hope he plays, and I have another fun fact about that later on in the show. But real quickly, just give me a number, 1 to 10, number of 1 to 10, frustration level with Leonard Floyd so far this season. B? Six. Nick? Nine. Yeah, I'm at a nine too. It's uh, I understand the hand early on, but he needs to be better than he's been. I understand that maybe Vangio hasn't put him in a spot like last week. He was dropping back more. I know they dropped back um, eight in coverage a lot against Tom Brady, and Vangio said earlier this week that was more that was his design, that was his plan. He wanted he would do it all over again. Um, but still, Leonard Floyd, uh, former for top ten pick, he needs to be able to find a way to be more effective in terms of pass rush. He's supposed to be the guy. The Bears moved up to get him. So the Bears mm-hmm. moved up to get him thinking he was going to be the guy, but he has not been able to do that. Uh, hasn't one been able to stay healthy. Hasn't been able to get a versatility of moves going. It's just speed for him. If that's not working, we saw him work on his hand movement in training camp. And with having that hand injury early on, that's put him back. But now that's gone. His hands fine. Now he needs to be able to win these one-on-one matchups because especially since Mac isn't healthy. So that's why I'm at a nine with him. He's, Again, imagine if the Bears didn't have Mac. This would be a huge, huge issue for the defense. Not makes, being able makes to get you realize why they made the trade. Exactly. All right. So again, as we've all mentioned throughout the entirety of the show, the Jets they have injuries across the entire board, which again, it's very hard to keep up with. But it does include the running back position, which is a little bit easier to keep up with. Uh, they just lost Bilal Powell, um, who accounted for over forty percent of the Jets' rushing totals this year um, with a neck injury. He's out for the year, so it's going to be up to Isaiah Crowell. Um, which is an interesting backfield combo. Crowell, Powell, to so many O-W-E-L-Ls. If I was a Jets podcaster, I would get that mixed up all the time, like I almost just did. But um, Isaiah, he's been held under 40 rushing yards in five of the last seven games. 
the rookie Trenton Cannon, um, he has less than 100 all-purpose yards so far this season, um, but a vast majority of those came in the last game after Powell went down to injury. Um, the Bears' defense are giving up about 135 yards per game on the ground since the bye week, which is more than double the average uh, from before the bye week. And I really see stopping the run to be a key focal point this week because taking that out of the equation, all the pressure goes on Sam Darnold to win this game. And his best performances, Darnold, have come in games in which the Jets were able to establish a run. Um, he has so far this year, he has three games that he's had a passer rating over 75. And the Jets have ran for a whopping 193 yards per game in those three games. So how did the Bears take the run out of the equation? Because I think that's priority number one. Because if you do that, Sam Darnold's going to struggle. It's just something we've seen time in, time out all season long. Let's go to Nick first. You know, a big thing for the Bears to be able to stop the Jets' ground attack is being able to contain those outside runs. And the Jets did a really good job of that going two weeks ago against the Denver Broncos where Isaiah Crowell had 15 carries, one touchdown, and 219 yards. And just think about last week against the Patriots for the Bears. Before uh, Sony Michelle gets injured, that's exactly where the Patriots were targeting, these outside edge rushers. And the Bears have not been playing well the past two weeks with the injured Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd not being able to get going. So if the Bears want to have success in stopping the Jets' ground game, it's being able to make sure that Isaiah Crowell or these other running backs are not able to get outside because that's where they can do their damage. And right now, when I'm looking at those matchups and who can possibly be playing on the outside, if Cleo Mack can't play, maybe it's an Isaiah Irving or Aaron Lynch, it, I'm going to have to give that one to the Jets right now because, again, they've shown that they're capable of doing it. And if the Bears have been struggling the past two weeks with c- containing runs going to the outside, that's going to be a problem in this matchup. What about you, B? Do you have any keys or any things that you're looking at in terms of finding a way to stop this Jets ground game? I'm not as, as overly worried, I think, as Nick is, because when I was on the, the Jets take last night, uh, one of their podcasts that they have over there, uh, their host was telling me that, you know, take Crowell with a, a grain of salt because he's incredibly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not not overly worried about this matchup, uh, but until the Bears run defense can show me that they can stop it like they did prior to the bye week, I'm like, Nick, I'm giving this one to the Jets running game because there's no reason to think otherwise, I think. Uh, we didn't think that Frank Gore uh, would have the game that he had against the Bears. Uh, if, if Blau Nichols didn't take out Sony Michelle, who knows what kind of day he would have had. Uh, and it's just incredibly frustrating because we know what this Bears run defense can do uh, when they allow eight, nine yards. It feels like per run. It's, it's obviously not the average, but it feels like that's what it is. And they need to be able to... I think it's up to the inside guys, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, be able to to step up. And we've seen it, you know, them struggle. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why the defense in a whole has struggled. Uh, so if they can really lock down this this running game uh, this week, I think we start to see the defense back on the right track. But it's really going to be up to the inside guys, I think. I think so, too. And when you're looking, I think the Bears do have an opportunity to really stifle this running attack at the point of attack. Uh, the Jets' runs, they've been stuffed, which a stuff counts for – Runs that have gone for two yards or less and does not result in a first down. Um, that has happened to the Jets 87 times so far this season, which is the most in the entire NFL. And you guys talked about you know Crowell a decent amount, um, but I want to overlook rookie Trenton Cannon because he's a smaller, shiftier back who um, he had 71 scrimmage yards last week after Powell left with that neck injury, and he's someone he's a good route runner. He can make plays in space and. Those seem to be the matchup problems for this Bears defense right now, those smaller, shiftier players who can make guys miss. So for me, I wouldn't overlook him. Not saying he's going to have a big day, but 
it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears have a hard time bottling him up because not only is he uh, you know, a good player in space, but there's not a lot of film on him. So we don't know exactly how the Jets are going to find a way to you know, utilize him within their offense. All right, so looking at the Jets' aerial attack real quick in terms of the receivers, the most productive wideouts are uh, Quincy Inouye. Uh, he had 22 catches, um, but he's injured. He's not going to play. Uh, Robbie Anderson, he has 17 catches for 314 yards, three touchdowns. He's a big play guy. He averages over 18 yards per catch. He's on injury report uh, with an ankle sprain. Jermaine Curse, uh, 16 catches, 165 yards. He's at, he's going to be healthy. He's active. Terrell Pryor, well, he has 14 catches, two touchdowns, but he's off the team. Uh, they brought in a former Titan, Richard Matthews, as well, but not a ton of talent at the position. In many ways, it does remind me what the Bears were doing with at this position last year with a bunch of uh, special teamers kind of moonlighting um, as NFL wide receivers. So I don't know. Who are going to be your matchups to pay attention to? Because I think the Bears, um, like, like I said, player against player, uh, the corners and the safeties versus the receivers, I don't, I'm not overly worried by anyone, but uh, curious, are you guys keying in on a matchup or two? B? I'm looking at it cursed because, like you said, he's been the most productive of guys who aren't on the injury report or still on the team. Uh, so that, that's what I'm, what I'm looking at. But if Robbie Anderson uh, is able to give it a go, I don't know what his status is. Uh, it's a sprained ankle, so we don't know if he's going to play or not. I don't know. Uh, but uh, when I was on the Jets take last night, he goes, uh, the host asked what, the Bears plan to do to stop that speed and I said to be honest I really don't know because we've seen speed torch the Bears in the open field so if they can get the ball to him in space on quick passes or wide receiver screens uh, the Bears have to be able to make that tackle so that's something I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on regardless who gets the ball throughout this game is the open field tackling in this one what about you Nick yeah, Grabby Anderson's a guy, and he was effective against the the Vikings last week because of the play action that the Jets utilized. There was a lot of p- players for the Jets open, and that first touchdown drive that the Jets actually get in that game codes to the tight end, who I would think maybe if Robbie Anderson's not able to go, I'm looking for him to be more of a threat in this passing game for the Jets. He had a touchdown last week against the Vikings, but he's been uh, utilized more and more as of late within this Jets offense and he is uh, a guy that is capable of just making big time catches. He just completely jumped over uh, one of the Denver Broncos uh, secondary players two weeks ago. So he's got an athletic ability. He operates in the middle of the field, can body you out. So guys like Danny Trevathan have to be aware of how to, you know, just be in the right position so that he doesn't get opportunities to make these catches. But Robbie Anderson's obviously going to be one of the guys, even though he did not practice today, uh, he was able when he is healthy, he's able to run some nice routes. He had a nice double move against the Broncos two weeks ago. And like I said, he gets a lot of those big time catches when the Jets use play action. All right. Is there anything else in your notes, Nick, about the, terms, either, you know, Bears defense, Jets offense? Not really. I think it's just about staying disciplined, though, because like I said, a lot of those plays that Sam Darnold was effective on. It's when, again, he's got a clean pocket. He's able to have the defense flowing one way and then having one of his receivers kind of run downfield. So we've seen the Bears secondary miss tackles. We've seen them maybe not as disciplined as they were in the first four weeks of the season. So coming into this one, yes, it's not a very, uh, I guess, scary opponent with the Jets offense, but Sam Darnold has shown some confidence in his arm. He's not a timid quarterback, even though he's thrown 10 interceptions, he's pretty aggressive and he's throwing the ball. Uh, you mentioned the rookie running back, and I'm just blanking on his name right Cannon, now. Last uh, name. Cannon. He he ran a nice wheel route. Again, um, Darnold lays it right into his hands. So it's a guy that he'll he'll find some holes in the defense, and 
you know, make you pay for him. But overall, I'm not really too worried about this Jets offense. No, I, I think that's fair. I think that's a very fair point to be at. I think I'm more worried about what kind of Bears defense is going to come out there compared to the actual Jets offense. But uh, what about you, B? Anything else you want to bring up? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I'm more worried about the Bears defense and the Jets offense. Uh, so just to kind of finalize my thoughts here, uh, the Bears defense is going to play as well as the guys in the middle do. Whether you know, We'll combine that all with Eddie Goldman, who's been quiet lately. Uh, we'll combine that with Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, as well as the safeties, Adrian Amos and A. Jackson. If those guys can step up their game, uh, be able to play discipline, like Nick said, uh, play fundamentally, please, please, please tackle. Uh, you know, then I think they're going to be able to play a, an overall very more solid game. Uh, they won't allow as many points because I think that's ultimately what it came down to the last couple of weeks was just missing open field tackles that should have been made. So just play fundamentally. Uh, don't try and do too much. Don't try to make the big play. Just do what you're asked to do and play fundamentally and everything will fall into place. There we go. The only other thing I want to mention is about that are center, Spencer Long, that I kind of alluded to. Um, he's been dealing with a couple of injuries, a knee, and then right now also a uh, dislocated middle finger on his snapping hand, um, which from what I have saw has led to a decent amount of poor snaps. So if he does give it a go, if he does play, um, look for that issue because we know here in Chicago with some snap issues of our own in the past, um, that that can really affect the offensive timing, the rhythm, and they already have that affected due to all the injuries at the skill positions as well. So I think if you can kind of uh, combine the two, if they say if long plays and he's throwing off the timing of the offense, and then they're also throwing in some of these backups who are still getting acclimated to this offense, it's just a really good recipe that should lead to opportunities for defense, our defense, to really take advantage but guys, I don't know who's going to be your defensive X factor if you had to boil it down. Let's go to Nick first. Oh, man, I was writing in the group chat. But I have my X factor <laughs> locked in here. I have Akeem Hicks being the guy. You alluded to it, Brandon, that the key factor in this game is going to be the guys in the interior. And I think Akeem Hicks, out of the pass rushers that are healthy, available, and most likely going to play on Sunday, I think Akeem Hicks is going to be the best one. Uh, Indra Cleo Mack obviously wasn't able to be very effective in the game last week. Leonard Floyd hasn't proven that he can be effective even when he is healthy. So Akeem Hicks is now your best pass rusher on Sunday. And I think for the Bears to be successful on defense, you got to get him going. He needs to be able to get and just win those one-on-one matchups. Will and I spoke about some of the matchups that he maybe he can take advantage of. So Akeem Hicks is the guy that I'm looking for to be the X factor in this one. And- All right. <laughs> wrong answer <laughs> then what's the correct answer the wild Nichols he's been playing very very well lately uh I didn't see Akeem Hicks getting in there after Tom Brady last week but I've seen Bilal Nichols so that's why Bilal Nichols is gonna be my x-factor as far as guys on the interior that need to step up and potentially best pass rusher at the moment outside of Cleo Mack uh I mean Bilal I think uh Akeem Hicks is rubbing off on Bilal he's seen a lot more energy mm-hmm. out of him lately so uh I'm looking at Bilal's my x-factor in this one well, you guys are both correct because I chose the entire Bears front seven. Nice. <laughs> For all the reasons, I think that this front seven, they need to do enough to win on first and second down because if they do that, they'll keep the Jets in some obvious passing situations on third down, which should help bring back some life uh, to that pass rush. Force Darnold to make plays with his arm, his decision-making. And with the lack of talent at wide receiver, that should really put the Bears in a favorable position. So for me, entire front seven, find a way to bring the pass rush back. Find a way to stop the run in early downs. Don't give up four to five yards of carry. Get it where you're confident that they're going to have to throw it on third down. And if that ends up being the case, I expect this Bears defense to be able to take care of business this week against the Jets. 
And Will, I can back you up on the first down. Uh, the Bears defense right now is a third pass defense in the NFL and allowing the least amount of yards on first down, which is 4.5, which doesn't, that seems like a lot, but it's the third best <laughs> in the NFL right now. And just one more statistic before we move on from this Bears defense. The Jets are ranked the eighth best team in the league right now in terms of yards after the catch. We know it's been an issue for the Bears yep. for the past two weeks. So that's something to be mindful of as you're watching this game. What uh, receivers for the Jets are maybe capable of making these yards after a catch. If there's injuries, maybe it's hopefully not a bunch of them, but the Bears have been susceptible of that as of late. So maybe the X factor is everybody in terms of fundamental tag. <laughs> yes. The defense. Yes. They're, they're their own X factor right now, though, which I think that's a fair assessment. But it's time to find out who has the edge. And Brandon, we're going to go in the same order, but now you're going to have the Bears pass rush versus the Jets pass protection. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Bears pass rush on this one. Their offensive line's banged up. They've struggled. You talked about Spencer Long. I talked about Kelvin Beecham being banged up. Uh, they still, Like I said, they struggled to get reliable snaps, uh, and I th- that's going to throw off the timing, which is going to open the door for some of these pass rushers. They're going to have more time to be able to get back there. Maybe they see the balls you know, not being snapped right, and that's going to want to spur them to get back there a little quicker, try and make a play. So I think that uh, as long as Spencer Long struggles, uh, as long as Bob Nichols stays hot, if Akeem Hicks can get rolling, if Leonard Floyd can get going, uh, then I'm going to give it to the Bears pass rush on this one. I think there's the opportunity for it to pick up again, so that's the reason why I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here despite it being uh, absent the last couple of weeks. I'm going to say the Bears pass rush. You know, they say the NFL is a long, grueling season, and I think this is exactly a very good uh, example of it because just a month ago, if I would have gave you this one, you would have scoffed and said, obviously, it's the Bears pass rush. But right. how quickly things can change. And that means, uh, not to put anyone down, but it can change. It can the, you know, the light switch can turn right back on, and we can be right back in business as well. So don't get too down on it. Uh, it's an up-and-down season, and hopefully we can trend right back up in terms of the pass rush. But, uh, Nick, over to you. The Bears run defense versus the Jets ground game, minus 40% of the rushing attack. You know, I said that the way that the the Jets can have success if they can run, you know, uh, to the outside. And I think right now it's leading up for the Jets to maybe be able to win that battle. I'm just not confident in Leonard Floyd right now and uh, injured Khalil Mack. So I'm going to give it despite the injuries on this offensive line and not having their their number one running back. I'm going to give it to the Jets running game until again, we need to be proven wrong here. Like you said, it's a long season. We asked me this a couple of weeks ago. It's the Bears. So we're, we're sweeping everything. But right now, this defense has uh, got to prove itself again. Exactly. Ooh, I like that, actually. has to prove itself again. Very true. Uh, so for me, I have the Bears secondary versus Sam Darnold and the Jets aerial attack. And with all the injuries that the Jets offense has, especially at the receiver position, Darnold leading the league in interceptions with 10, I think this is an easy edge for the Bears secondary this week. So I'm going to give them the edge here. Um, I think they shouldn't have much of an issue, and if they do, it's going to come with the yards given up after the catch, not really schematically or really a lot of coverage breakdowns. All right, guys, looking at special teams, what are you going to bring to the table this week? Let's go to Brandon first. Please punt block. It's so deflating <laughs> to see a block punt. Uh, I don't I don't think we'll have any issues with that, but that's something definitely to keep in mind is that's something you know we hadn't seen prior to uh, New England, so... Be on your toes, uh, Ben Brownacker. Lean forward, not backward. Nick, how about you? Andre Roberts is the number one in punt return yards and number two in kick return yards. So that's a guy you got to be mindful of. And in terms of field goal kicking, Cody Parkey, where's where's his confidence at? Um, you know, just from a couple weeks ago. And the Jets are a good defense in not allowing 
you know, touchdowns in that game against the Vikings. There was a lot of field goals that uh, the Vikings were forced to kick. So Cody Parker needs to be ready for the opportunities most likely going to get. The, obviously, the Bears are not going to score an, a touchdown every possession. It'd be great, but it's not going to happen. So Cody Parker needs to be able to, you know, make his field goals when he's uh, up to kick them. I hope the Bears prove you wrong. I hope they do, too. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Uh, for me, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, right? Uh, the Jets are very dangerous in terms of their kick returning so far. And last week, uh, they had their season long, which is a 53-yarder, potentially dangerous for a Bears uh, cover unit that just gave up um, that long kick off uh, kick return touchdown a week ago. And uh, I know beforehand, before last week, the Bears were the most consistent kickoff team in terms of generating touchbacks at over like 84%. So maybe we just get back to that, you know, kick the ball through the end zone. Let's just take it out of the equation altogether. But guys, to end the show, it's time to hand out some predictions and we're going to begin with our bold predictions and I'll go ahead and kick this one off for me. My bold prediction is that, you know, we talked about special teams just a moment ago. I have the bears, you know, they gave up two touchdowns and special teams against the Patriots. Well, the refocus third phase comes away with one themselves this week. Brandon, what's your bold prediction? With how the defense is playing the last couple of weeks, I think this is going to be a bold statement when I say the defense will score two touchdowns this week. Ooh. Nick? I'll go the defense gets three interceptions and Ajax gets two of those. Nice. We'll take it. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's okay. Why, why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> All right. Time to predict who's going to become our most valuable bear when the final whistle blows on Sunday. And I'm going to go ahead and start this one off. And mine, Eddie Jackson. Um, okay. Ha ha. He's coming off. Of, I, that's why I took it. I had a hunch. I had a hunch. Uh, he's had a couple of disappointing games after the bye. Um, granted, that can be said about almost everyone on the Bears defense. Um, but Jackson roaming the middle of the field. And Darnold's coming off a three-interception game. I think Jackson's going to have some chances to make plays in the ball. And I anticipate a big bounce-back game for him and the defense. But this week, uh, 39, he's going to make at least one momentum-altering play that's going to end up paying dividends, meaning if it's a turnover, the Bears offense will find a way to score points offset turnover. Nick, how about you? Who's going to be your MVP choice? <laughs> I will go. I'll go with the Keem Hicks. I think he has some favorable matchups on the inside, and he should be able to win those matchups and just be a factor in disrupting Sam Darnold, throwing him off, maybe leading to him throwing those interceptions to Eddie Jackson and being an overall great uh, just day for the defense. So I'm going to have to give it to Akeem Hicks. Are you sure that was uh that was was that your option A? No, it was not. Somebody <laughs> took my option A. <laughs> Brandon, you dog. Who's who's gonna be your MVP? Uh, well, since none of you guys took my option A, I'm gonna go with my option A. Um, I'm gonna continue to pick on Nick's bold prediction since that seems to be the trend here. Uh, I think Kyle Fuller is going to be the MVP in this one. He's got three interceptions on the year going against a rookie quarterback, like Will said already. He's thrown a lot of interceptions this year already. If he continues to be aggressive and take a shot down the field and tries his luck against Kyle Fuller, I think he can get two of the three interceptions that uh, Nick said was going to happen, and they'll go to Kyle Fuller, not Eddie Jackson. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to go ahead and predict who is going to win this game. And just to recap the standings, uh, Nick and Brandon are tied at first, and they're giving me a smirk here. Um, they're sitting at four <laughs> and three, and I will proudly stand with my three and four because the Bears were one yard away of sending that thing to overtime, and they played that game. Uh, it was a very close game, a lot left on the table, but still, um, I'm proud of giving the Bears some a bit of confidence heading into last week's game against the Patriots. Um, but since you guys are up first, you get to choose, and you guys, I guess you get to uh, talk it out. Uh, do you guys want to go first, or do I go first? 
Let's make do we do rock, paper, scissors for it? I don't know how we do that over a podcast, but. Wait, like between nah. you two? I'm just, I'm yeah. choosing Will to go first. That's okay. what I want. We'll give it to Will. <laughs> All right, I'll go Different first. Different option to the second half. <laughs> there we go. All right, so my prediction for this game, I have the Bears winning. Um, I think the Bears are a better team. And I see the offense continuing to put up points. Um, they've been on a very, you know, high pace in terms of points per game scored since the bye week. And the Bears defense, I really think they should be able to handle Darnold and the rest of this rest of this Jets offense. Um, and just an extra fun fact here, the Jets are two and nine on the road since the beginning of last season. Uh, so for me, the Bears win, and I have them winning in convincing fashion. Um, thirty one to seventeen Bears win. And now you guys get to decide who goes first between you two. I'll go first. There you go. Uh, similar to what Will said, uh, I think that the Bears are going to win this one. I don't have it in such a convincing fashion. I don't see the burn burners ending until the defense shows me otherwise. Uh, I have the Bears winning this one 30-23. to 23. I just I got to have a little bit more faith in the defense before I say they're going to start winning games convincingly. But there's a lot more talent on the, on the Bears sideline than there's the Jets sideline. So for that reason, you have to give it to the Bears in this one, I think. All right, Nick. I'll go uh, the Bears winning this one, but I think it's going to be a lot closer, not as high scoring. 24-17 is what I predict the score to be. I think this Jets defense is still a good one despite having some injuries on there. I still think Mitch Trubisky makes more throws in this one, but there's going to be some field goals like I alluded to earlier. So 24-17 Bears. All right, and last but not least, it's time to hand out our confidence meters and, of course, our final thoughts. So, Brandon, where's your confidence heading into this game and your final thought? Uh, confidence heading into this game, just because there's a lot more talent uh, on the Bears sideline, uh, I am going to give it seven, seven and a half ish. Put it in that range. You know, I'll give you the average. Give you seven and a quarter. Uh, <laughs> I, there's, I think that the Bears are just going to be able. Uh, Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich have done a great job of building play on play on play, routes on routes on routes. Like I alluded to earlier, they're able to get guys open from previous plays that were earlier in the game. And as long as they continue to do that in this one, I think they'll be able to take advantage of a. Uh, underrated, we'll say, Jets defense. Uh, I think there's just enough injuries uh, on the offensive side and in the Jets defensive secondary as well to that matter uh, that the Bears are going to be able to take advantage of those matchups. And I think they'll be able to put points on the board without much of an issue, and I think they'll be able to take advantage of Sam Darnold, but it's still going to be a burn burner. Uh, Defense still has to show me something. All right. Nick, how about you? You know, I'm going to have to give it an eight and a half because it's a game I think the Bears have to win. Um, they, this is a playoff team. When I, when you look at the talent that they have, how they played, they've lost by, you know, a total of four points in a yard. That's how I like to look at it. Even though it was a touchdown to the Patriots last week, this is a good team. And if they want to continue and play meaningful football later in the season, they have to win this game. So I'm giving an eight and a half. I know I have it being closer, but you'll take a win any way you get it. So an eight and a half is my confidence meter going into this one. Well, I'm saying at eight and a half too. So yet again, Nick and I are thinking alike here towards the end of the show. Um, but I really think the Bears have just come out pissed off, really take care of the inferior, the battered opponent with a rookie quarterback on the road. Um, after dropping the last two, I believe, and I think we all believe that this is a must win. I know Brandon wasn't on 100% on board with the words must win, but in many ways, if the Bears want to make a run at this thing, you have to beat opponents that you're more skilled than, and this is one of them. Um, and so for me, I think the Bears rise to the occasion. They get the job done. Coach Nagy said earlier this week that this team – um, it's going to be one that to, will rise to the challenge, can face adversity, overcome adversity, and this is the week to find out if they can do it because if they come in there feeling sorry for themselves, feeling, you know, oh, poor me, we lost two after the bye, then you're letting up, you're kind of setting yourself up for another letdown game. But if you come out there knowing you're the better team um, and wanting to prove it, 
especially at home. I think this is a way to kind of get back towards your winning ways and building, rebuilding some of that confidence that was surely lost after the bye. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. Make sure to leave a comment with your bold prediction, your MVP, and, of course, your prediction for the final game outcome to spark a discussion. If you don't want to comment here on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, let us know on Twitter. Uh, feel free to email us, will at thebearsbros.com. Um, and that's all we have for you today. On behalf of my Bears Brothers, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's game preview. And just another shout-out to all the live viewers here on YouTube. Up next, Will Ingles is going to share his weekly analysis of the five matchups of the game, followed by my weekly three keys that will lead to a Bears victory. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.